0: to bring you a special bulletin. This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. In five, check for sound. 4. It's showtime. Let's two, go. One, four. Trouble, the
1: trouble found
0: you. Welcome to the Pro Audio Suite, a podcast for audio and voiceover professionals. Don't forget to check us out on our Facebook, The Pro Audio Suite Podcast. Now let's get on with the show. From Los Angeles, George Witham. From Chicago, Robert Marshall. From Sydney, Australia, Robbo. And from sunny Melbourne, Andrew Peters. This is the Pro Audio Suite. Welcome to the Pro Audio Suite. We do have a special guest this week, and that's Corey Disson. Now you may be wondering, who is Corey Disson? Well, let's find out. Welcome, Cory.
1: Hey, how are you doing, everybody? Good to, good to be here, and I, I'm glad I've been
0: promoted to special guest. You are a special guest, in fact, very special guest, dare we say. But just give us a bit of background on what you do.
1: Well, uh, for the last 26, 27 years, I have been the vice president and general manager at Propulsion Media Labs, which is a, uh, a national audio and video production company in the United States. And we uh, assemble anywhere between six and 700 commercials a month. And over the last uh, probably 18 months to two years, um, I've also been operating a social media influencer, uh, marketing coaching type business where I am uh, counseling and mentoring voiceover talent and teaching them how to market themselves, how to navigate social media, how to do content marketing, uh, you know, how to do even just basic Sales technique to try to get them to uh, fill their funnel, and uh, you know keep their bookings. Yeah, yeah. Now I just want to wind the clock back a bit. You said how many spots do you do a week? Uh, on average, uh, about six to seven hundred per month.
0: Six to seven hundred commercials per month.
1: Yes, sir. Wow. So, uh, what's the setup where you where you are? Well, yeah, we have um, a five thousand square foot uh, production facility that uh, has seven full-time salaried producers that uh, work Monday through Friday, whatever, 9 to 6 p.m. And uh, I also have three sort of, they're called account coordinators, but they're better known as project managers. And uh, they help schedule, uh, communicate with the client, traffic spots, et cetera. And we have developed, it's more or less an assembly line, a factory kind of, situation. And that's kind of our unique selling position is that uh, we work very quickly. We work under duress. We take all of the the types of commercials that, uh, you know, you have very little time to turn them around. We often get spots ordered in the morning and they have to be done that afternoon. And some of those are fully produced video spots with motion graphics, et cetera. Wow. So,
0: but, but your main Britain butter radio or is it a, is it, a mix of both TV and
1: radio, and anymore, the the uh, the hot item is actually video. But I mean, obviously, audio is a a, a huge component of theirs. Everything that is uh, built for video is done in After Effects, but all of the soundtracks, the voiceover, the music, sound effects—they're mixed first in Pro Tools before our uh, video guys cut video to them. So when you say
0: video, you're not actually shooting, you're just taking stock or you getting supplied with video content?
1: It's a mix of both. Um, our our core competency is the post-production, the motion graphics, especially in After Effects. Um, we have libraries of footage, whether that's stock footage, footage our clients sent us from their particular location. We also do have two of our own cameras that will go out on location, uh, within a two-hour radius of Philadelphia, we'll go out and do a shoot, and we have a 4K camera and an HD camera, um, you know, GoPros and jib arms and teleprompters and all that stuff. I mean, we're a full-fledged production company, but our forte is the post. Most of the footage is sent to us by other entities.
2: So, like, if you guys do the full, the full tilt boogie, the whole package, it's probably maybe more of a. I'm assuming, but maybe a smaller client that might do that. And maybe the bigger clients, they have a whole, they have several different teams involved.
1: It's a mix. I mean, we will work with a mom and pop, whether it's a small advertising agency in a big market, or it could even be a large agency in a tiny market um, that doesn't have the overhead or the means to do all the fancy post production. But at the same time, we're sort of the secret weapon or the vendor of choice. By a lot of big names, which I can't disclose, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but um, that come to us because you know we have that certain. I feel like Liam Neeson in the Taken movies. <laughs> you know, we have a unique we have a unique set of skills. Yeah, um, right. You know, what I try to communicate to uh, CEOs or uh, heads of agencies that might be interested in hiring us. You know, there are plenty of very large production companies. That, you know, in a Hollywood setting or a Manhattan setting, that I would equate those as like large teaching hospitals, you know, where there's these (laughs) huge, huge entities with tons of people. What we equate ourselves, we're the ambulance. Hmm. Okay. That's a
2: good analogy. And you know what? I, I actually somebody had a client tell me that I should wear a paramedics uniform. Why not? <laughs> so what do you know? Because <laughs> you are
1: a, you are a doctor with what you do. I'm sure.
2: <laughs> She's like you save lives. You should wear a paramedics uniform.
1: Well, you, George, so, imagine how many of your customers go into cardiac arrest before you save them. Yes, a lot. <laughs> And
0: you were talking the other day about getting a stethoscope, so maybe um, that could be the first part of your new uniform.
1: There's something going on here. Yeah. There seems to be an a theme growing here. There is a medical an, medical analogy in the air. But anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah. Now, I'm just wondering, with your,
0: uh, w- what is your market base? I mean, you are you basically Philadelphia, that area, or are you global?
1: We are, we are heavily saturated in the tri-state area, which is Philadelphia, uh, South New Jersey, New York, but even though we have a heavy saturation there, I would say that only makes up twenty to thirty percent of our business. We're we're all over, and when I mean all over, mostly all over the continental United States. We have clients in Canada. We worked in England. We have lots of spots that air in Europe for all sorts of reasons. Um, but our main customer, our sweet spot, is that. Uh, you know, medium-sized advertising agency and pick-a-market USA.
0: So with your talent, when you're organizing, say, a voiceover, which is obviously what we're interested in, um, where do you source from? Do you source people who obviously have their own studio or do you get them in?
1: Well, the days of bringing them in for us are long gone. We had two beautiful whisper rooms that uh, we spent all kinds of money on and had them install. And George, your friend Lane Massey, helped us out with both of those. Um... But uh, you know uh, anymore, if someone has a quality home studio, that's mostly the talent that we're using. and we have our own sort of internal database of talent that we go to and we pitch them online we have a little uh, you know website that has all their all their demos on there and, and we have our our preferred bunch we like to call them the uh, the top 100 most qualified non-union talent in the United States. Oh, so you are purely non-union? Correct. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Is Paul still doing stuff through you guys,
2: or is Paul fully retired? What's his status?
1: Man, I just saw Paul, believe it or not. I was in Florida traveling with my son, and, and he lives in that area now. And he came, we hung out for an afternoon, and he's doing great. I mean, the guy lives literally on a golf course. He's golfing six days a week. (laughs) <laughs> and but he does voice still. He's got a nice studio in his in his house, but it's yeah. not the same where he has to be, you know, chained to an ISDN line waiting yeah. for sessions. He, he's he has much more flexibility, yeah. in his schedule. So he has little little batches where he'll do you know maybe two three hours in a row and then he's out. And he's got two small children, nice. oh, so cool. he he's doing he's doing great.
2: Well, man, I haven't seen him in forever. And for you guys listening, Paul Turner, you may not know his name, but you. If you're my age and you lived in the US, <laughs> you know his voice because he was the in show. Is that what you'd call it, him for Howard Stern?
1: Well, he yeah. was the announcer. He was the guy who said, and, and, and forgive the imitation because it's going to sound nothing like him, but he was most famous for your listening to the Howard Stern show.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his
1: voice to me in high school was as famous as Howard's. Could you um, imagine when I, I first started working for him? And uh, I'm about 19, 20 years old, and I was still living at home. And he would call my house, and my parents would answer the phone. <laughs> <laughs> so amazing. Well, I mean, it's I mean, just the timeline of this
2: whole thing. 26 years is kind of mind-blowing. 26 years that would place us back in uh, 1993. Three? three? 93. Yeah, that's correct. I, I was in college at that time. And then I got out in 97 and then I started networking with, you know, in the business. I was an intern at Sigma in Philly. Mm. And then I was hanging out with Lane Massey and my cousin Andy and playing, they were doing music jams. And uh, through that connection, that's how I got to, to meet you guys. Because Lane brought me in just to literally just to, like an intern.
1: I can honestly say that uh, Paul Turner changed my life. Yeah, I thought I wanted to be on air because I was, before I met Paul, I was interning at WISP, and that's where I met Lane as well.
2: Oh, that's the
1: connection. Okay. Uh-huh. And uh, two weeks into my internship, they fired the entire air staff. That's when YSP had a format change. Wow. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. And that scared the bejesus out of me because, you know, I, I got a bad- disposable. Look how disposable you are. Well, yeah, and, and I got a <laughs> terrible habit. I like to eat three times a day. I'm a big fan of stability. And here I was, a college kid, seeing all of you know these people I revered, you know, the Ed Shockies of the world who I just thought was, you know, had the coolest voice and he was like a legend in the market and yeah they just booted him right out and i'm thinking man what's the next coolest thing to be on on air and that was production and i walked into paul's studio there and at uh one balla plaza and that's where i met him and i saw the multi-track and the big console i'm thinking man all right this has got me written all over yeah 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 so was he? Uh, was he doing production
0: for Howard Stern at that time, or was he um, doing other stuff?
1: He was voicing and producing for Howard as well as he, he was doing some. He was doing a lot of things for Infinity in general because they had a lot of other syndicated talk shows at the time too. Whether it was the Grease Man or Don and Mike um he was doing stuff for the fan in new york k rock in new york wjfk in dc and he was voicing and producing he was the production director basically for infinity and i just kind of came along at the right time because i was a pain in his butt he he allowed me to hang <laughs> out with him you know i would i would like get his lunch i remember driving to the olive garden to pick him up a salad or sure. or, or doing you know type typing up uh, Reel to reel labels on a typewriter, yes. and, and dropping them in the FedEx for him, you know, because he can get his dry voice out for the end of the day. And he would he would leave at five six o'clock, and he would basically leave me the keys to the studio and say, "Here, teach yourself how to be an audio producer." And I stayed there day after day, night after night, till two three in the morning, Saturdays Sundays. My friends thought I was nuts. They would call me. They would be down the shore and they would be partying and they. What are you doing, Core? What are you doing? So I'm learning <laughs> how to do this stuff, man, and, and uh, that's what happened. He, and he would critique. I'd make little cassettes and he would critique on how I would use the compressor or how I was using the uh, effects chain or whatever else. And, and that's kind of how I learned how to be a multi-track producer. That's
0: interesting. It's a shame oh, Robbo's not here actually because this is almost his story. Yeah, yeah I know. Very, very I know. similar.
2: Robbo, I don't, Robbo had a conflict tonight. He's our He's our primary producer and is usually the one who's going to make, he will mix the show. Yep. Oh, cool. Um, but um, I love that, that you had that starting with one, you know, that one mentor guy. And for me, that certainly was Lane. you know, in terms of getting into the radio production business um, and like literally live remotes and all that kind of stuff. So, so cool that those stories parallel each other in a
1: way and, and, Geographically, so as well. Very lucky. I feel very lucky, very privileged. I mean, not many of my peers, and I'm not even talking about, uh, you know, media industry peers. I'm talking about, you know, guys. I, you know, when I was working uh, as a bouncer, my friends, you know, the guys I would go out and hang out with, who went on to become cops or sell insurance, whatever they're doing. None of them are doing the same thing that they did. When they were twenty years old, I am.
0: Yeah, it's a difference, isn't there? I think this industry certainly. Uh, once you're in, you can't. You never get out. And why would you?
1: No, man, it was cool, man. Yeah. I mean, it still is. I mean, but now, you know, now it's now it's a little different. You know, I I'm, I fired myself as a producer back in probably 2001 and got more into the sales uh, and marketing end of things and and actually managing all the other employees of the company. And that's kind of where my talent i guess lie is in you know marketing and uh, i've i've been running with that since whether it's marketing propulsion and now you know in this new type of i guess uh, incarnation of uh, marketing and uh, branding other voice talent which is it's it's been able it's been cool for me to be able to utilize those skills for other people now beyond the bounds of propulsion media labs
0: so when you're branding a voice talent just run us through what you actually do
1: Okay. So it's a, a team process, number one. I mean, I, I have, it's usually after there's been significant conversation with that particular talent because we got to see, you know, what, what their skill set is. Uh, and then I often give that talent a homework assignment to do a little self-exploration. I literally say, open up a document in Word and start typing. I don't want you to write fancy ad copy or anything polished. I just want you to write stream of conscious notes, everything from what you think your voice sounds like if you had to describe it. To the types of jobs you typically get, to the types of jobs you typically want to get, or what are you, what do you aspire to achieve, to to record one day? I, I ask for things like, what are your hobbies? What type of music? I need to know everything I can in a couple of pages that is you. And generally what I'm able to do is after my conversations with that talent, after reviewing their existing online presence, reviewing their audio demos as they are currently, I'm able to review that document. I'm able to extract certain keywords that patterns start to develop, um, and I'm able to take those and group them and then kind of boil them down and, and propose a brand or a tagline or a slogan uh, based upon what that talent has communicated with me, I'll give you two examples. Uh, I have one client who his passion is running, and you know this talent, George. I'll leave; uh, he'll remain nameless, but he's a client of yours. Mm-hmm. Um, his passion is running. He runs marathons. He does charity runs. When he exercises, it's all about running. He's something he's very, very passionate about but he also enjoys doing voiceovers. So after finding out all this information and finding out what kind of guy he is, and he's a hard worker, and he wants to do right by his clients and, and turn things around quickly, we came up for him running your voiceovers to the finish. Oh Yeah, cool. And that's something that he could put his weight behind because it is him. I have another uh, client who who worked with me. His, and I'll be glad to give his this particular guy's name. His name's Rob Morera. Rob Morera is Awesome! Please visit his site. I'll give him a free plug. Um, but he is bilingual, uh, English and Spanish. Uh, trained actor, stage—you know—does the voiceover. He has all of these different skills. And the more and more I kept looking at all these different talents he has, it's like there's so much more that he can do. And it turns out his name is spelled M O R E I R A. So, for him, it's pretty simple. Get more with Moreira. So that's just two little examples on how that works, but it's usually it, it usually comes out of some self-exploration exercise with the talent. And then I have my little uh, secret recipe that I use. It's interesting,
0: uh, you talk about what people the people's perception of themselves. How many people do you come across that actually get it right?
1: Most folks don't get it at all. Yeah, because that's why they come to me. It's because they're stumped. And they're afraid to stick their neck out because they're, they're worried they're going to get it chopped off. So if they can have a mirror held up to them, which is me as an objective, somewhat objective resource to say, this is how I think you're perceived. If I'm the voice casting audience, because I have the unique position where I'll, I've not only been the voiceover seller, you know, my role at the production company, I've been the voiceover buyer in that we recruit talent to work with us. So I've been in that chair deciding, hmm, does that talent get my attention or doesn't he or she? So I take that and I use that, you know, I would like to think to to my advantage to, to help give them a perspective that they might not otherwise think on their own. Yeah, yeah.
0: Because I, I do find that uh, a lot of talent are trying to do work that they actually are not suited for but they're, they're, they feel they are suited for it. And it takes someone, a third party, to say, you know what, you're never going to crack that marketplace.
1: Well, that's a good point that you made. And I do, more often than not, I have to kind of shoot straight with them and say, look, stop trying to be all things to all people. You're not going to be doing animation. Your best bet is you are the warm and fuzzy, you know, you're going to do the cancer patient. Spot, or you're going to do the, uh you know the the calm narration or the audio book, um, you know you're not going to be doing the character, you know Ren and Stimpy or something like that. I'm dating myself, George, I'm sure <laughs> by using that <laughs> reference. <laughs> yes, but uh, yeah, I have to have, often have that conversation with, hey, look, this is this is kind of where I see you, and sometimes there's a little bit of headbutting that goes on because you know that talent has aspirations. They have goals and dreams, but I I try to get them to, A, grab the low-hanging fruit first because it's all about generating revenue. The more revenue you have, the more flexibility you have to go get more performance coaching in that particular genre, for example. And then if there's something just outside that initial zone of if you're really good at X, but Y is not too far away, then we try to hit that. But I try in what I do with talent, I try not to get too involved with the performance aspect. That's for the, the talent coach. And I can give you a million names of those people who do that really, really well. I don't profess to be one. I have no desire to be one. I like to stick to the marketing.
0: It's interesting you say that because a lot of talent, when their careers start to get a bit shaky, um, end up becoming coaches or demo makers or anything like that. that kind of area. Sometimes I wonder if you're a talent trying to tell a talent, you're kind of both on the same side of the the window, if you know what I mean. I
1: I know exactly what you mean. I I would call it even a conflict because a lot of times, and look, I'm not going to pick on anyone in particular, but there are a lot of talent coaches out there that are still talent that are trying to fill their own books. So how, you know, how, how much are they really rooting for you to succeed if they're trying to coach you? Yeah. You know, and you know, I, I, that's and I and I speak about that very plainly with my clients. It's like you don't have to worry about that with me. I'm not trying to land a representation with Mark Gus. I'm, I'm just a marketing guy. That's all. I'm, that's all I want to be for you. Yeah, yeah. Same here.
2: <laughs> when I'm working with my client, like, I've, man, I've had the opportunity more than once to enter voice acting field, and and I've even had a little bit of taste of some coaching and. And um, oh my gosh, I just never ever wanted to be in competition with any of my clients. Yeah, nah,
1: I did it's just not want to.
2: Yeah, I didn't want to moonlight or or just. It just never felt right. So I totally understand, and that's that's I think a boon or a real selling point to your folks is that you're coming at this from that the right side of the glass, so to speak. Yeah.
1: yeah, and I know my place. I'm not trying to blur the line. But it's also, like, if I was going to get any advice from anybody,
0: I want to get advice from someone who will potentially book me for a job, not from somebody who's actually competing with me, you know, because, I, I mean... Well said, right? and, and the other thing is that people who are doing, like, talent like myself, we don't really know what the booker is thinking. We assume we do, but we don't really and so if I was to get advice, I want to know what that person is thinking, what that person really wants, because there's no point in me creating a product that nobody wants.
1: And you want to hear something kind of interesting? And I was just having this discussion with uh, a talent today who's considering working with me, a guy who's very well-established, who's really, really good, and I was fired up that he even reached out to me. But I, I had this conversation, and this is going to sound counterintuitive, but bear with me here. When voice talent market themselves now, of course, you have to have a certain degree of chops. You have to have the gear. You know, you have to have a clean-sounding room. You can't just plug the USB in in a laptop and call yourself a talent. You have to have the background. But that aside, the point I made to him was because he was saying, you know, I, I I put spots up on social media and I don't get a lot of response, and I even got some backlash from a client for doing that. And my response to him was, no one cares what you sound like. Now, you're probably both scratching your head right now saying, what? Stick with me. I'm sticking there. I'm I'm hanging in there. (laughs) Hang in (laughs) there. Here we we go. Hang on every word. (laughs) (laughs) So, like I said, under the premise that you got your studio dialed in correctly, and you have the basic tools, like you know how to interpret a script, and you have The basic quote-unquote talent, what's going to separate you from everybody else from actually getting hired. And the point that I was making is, is your ability to be noticed, to stick out, and to be remembered. Those things don't have as much to do with how good your demo sounds as you might think. They want to get to know you as a person. Think of, you know, where you might go for a haircut or who fixes your car. There are plenty of people that have the technical expertise to use a pair of scissors or to to fix brakes on a car or change the oil, but you like doing business with people you like, people you trust, people that are authentic. And what I'm trying, the the gospel that I'm trying to spread is, is how to do that mechanically through the computer, through the social media platforms, for example. That's the huge disconnect that a lot of these talent have because unfortunately, and I don't want to overgeneralize, but they think, wait a minute, I sound really good. I have a great sound. Everyone I've ever talked to says I have a great sounding voice. I have, you know, bi-coastal representation. I sound great. I'm doing promo work for this station. The, the voiceover per- that stuff helps. It gives you a little credibility. But it's not going to make you stick out. There's, whatever, two million people on this blue marble of ours calling themselves voice talent. (laughs) You know, Uh what are you going to do to be remembered? Now, we're not telling you to do something silly, but there is a way to stand out from the crowd with how you brand and how you market yourself. And that's kind of the uh, stream that I'm swimming up. The interesting thing is when you say about being someone standing out and being different...
0: I must admit that what I find, and I've, I, I've seen over the years, is that people say they want something different, but they really don't. They want the same as they had yesterday and the same as that person had the day before.
1: When I say something different, not so much in the performance, more of what can you do to be remembered, to get your name to go from the bottom of the stack to the top. That, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, and it, it, forgive me if I got ahead of you there and if I interrupted you, if because you, I, I gathered that you meant that uh, you were kind of coming from the angle that if you're in a session and they hired you because you ha- you sound unique. I mean, we want this, you're unique read. Then you get in there and you're doing the same old, same old that they could have got from somebody else.
0: Yes, well, that happens as well, yeah. I do find that, and I was kind of getting. I sort of took a bit of a, a turn after what you've been saying, but um, but I, I that is something that I I've, I've come across a lot.
1: Well, they equate new with bad.
0: Yeah, they well they they equate new with this could go wrong, and I'll get my ass kicked. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> they're afraid to they're afraid to take yeah. a chance. They, I mean, just look at look at uh, Hollywood film. If that gives you any idea, a lack of safety. A, lot, they, they they're making the same damn movies. Yeah. Every t- 10 to 20 years in Hollywood. Nobody wants to take a chance. Nope. I was going to ask you um, about marketing. Like, um, We don't have to get into like, give us top 10 tips, blah, blah, blah. Right. Don't need to go there. But um, what's like a real no-no when you're like launching a voiceover business, you're making your website, you're coming up with an idea for a brand. What's something that like someone who's casting or an agent is going to look at and go, Amateur. Oh, man. Not,
1: not, <laughs> what's something that stands out to you? I am prepared and willing and excited to share with you, in my estimation, the number one mistake voice talent make when they market themselves on social media. I'm going to take a big breath here. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Drum roll, please. <laughs> the, the number one mistake that voice talent make when they market themselves on social media is they include the ask in their communication. So if they're posting Mm -hmm. on to LinkedIn or to Instagram or Facebook, I see so many posts that say, IVRs go better with a great voice. And then they they have the link (laughs) to listen to my demo today. You want a commercial that can be remembered. And the best way to get remembered is to have a great voice. I see it over and over again, or it's Halloween. Do you need a scary voice for your spot? I cringe when I see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are like you you don't do that because the first there's two things that happen. That that post either gets ignored or deleted. Yeah. Or both. Or both. <laughs> or it, yeah. Yeah. In that order. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, that's that's a that's a big thing. And then the other I'll give one other uh no no um is that most talent don't understand the rigors of the brick by brick uh, approach to social media, they'll say, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do some posts. I'm going on social," and they'll put up a post on Monday, and then again on Wednesday, and then maybe on Saturday, and then the following Saturday, and then, but before you know it, they give up. Yeah. And social I'll buy some followers. Yes. And social media does not work that way. It's a war of attrition. It's it's got to be constant so most talent don't get in the game number one or stay in the game long enough and understand that it's a long game it takes you know day after day post after post interacting constantly it's it is a bit of a time suck that's that's the the pushback you'll get but it pays off I mean and I can just even tell you just from my end from my marketing consulting business, was built exclusively on the back of LinkedIn. Wow! Okay, it's a great tool. I call it the Swiss Army knife of social media because it does so many different things. It's not just a bulletin board. It's not just a place to show off your work experience. It's a portfolio. It's a, you know a networking function. It's a database of contacts. It's a lead list. It's good. I can go on and on and on. If if you're in voiceover, especially or if you're in media production, if you're not using LinkedIn, and I would venture to say if you're any type of entrepreneur, small business owner, executive, if you're not on LinkedIn and and doing some degree of content marketing on LinkedIn, you're really missing out. You know, the interesting thing is, and
0: my wife talks about this all the time, if she's uh, about to either employ someone or she's working with someone, she'll check out their LinkedIn profile. If they don't have one, then the question is, why haven't you got a LinkedIn profile? What are you hiding?
1: I get it. I get it. I mean, I use it. I use that tool the same way, you know, that I would put that in the reconnaissance uh, phase there. I mean, to get background on either a vendor I might hire, a future client, an employee, um, an intern, whatever. I mean, I'm definitely, you know, trying to do a little background check on them and, uh because you can get references that way you can see who they're connected to yep. i mean it's not it's not not exactly you're going to find people you know with the red solo cup at the the keg like facebook or something but you can do a a pretty thorough business search on candidate x or vendor y
0: but i've got a question for you and and because you're sure. marketing voiceover talent what is and this sounds a bit selfish really but if you were to get someone who wasn't American that you were marketing into America and it doesn't have to be me it could be somebody else but how how differently would you sell that brand into the US
1: so that that's a great question and I have worked with uh, a couple of voices from across the pond let's say here's the the plus is that there aren't a lot of folks from down under marketing themselves in the united states that live in the united states meaning transplanted citizens so there are just there are so you're going to be unique in you know from the start in that there's less competition for that type of voice in the geographic area the downside to that is there are less available projects that demand that type of voice in our area not everyone is going to do a spot for outback steakhouse yeah you know, there was a time I can I can remember specifically. We worked with um, a theme park in the southeast, and their whole the whole gist of their facility was safari, the outback, all and they and they had an Australian accented spokesperson that uh, we we I can't even remember the, the the gentleman's name we used to work with who was in Australia that we used, but that was... And he was good too, man. That was such a long time ago. Forgive me for not remembering. Did that information help at all?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just curious because um, years and years and years ago when I was a kid growing up in the UK, there used to be pirate radio stations, which is showing my age, long before Ren and Stimpy. But... Um... One of the best <laughs> movies ever is pirate yeah. radio. so there was pirate radio, which was out of out of the uh, limits. So it was out, either out at sea or... Or um, on continental Europe, and one station in particular um, was uh, Radio Luxembourg, coming out of Luxembourg, and the voices they used to use there were mainly, as it turns out, which I didn't realise at the time, were Australians, but they their accent was quite soft in the you know as far as Australian accents were concerned, so they kind of branded them as mid Atlantic, and that became that's that accent that was it not American wasn't English and hence the term mid-atlantic but it actually really was just a mild Australian accent do you think that kind of an accent would ever work
1: I would say yes and I would even say it would probably have a place in the automotive sphere for luxury brands um, that like like a tier three automotive which is the dealer level you know if they're selling um, you know Lexus, or Mercedes Benz, Jaguar. Jaguar always has some type of European-accented talent or British, Aussie, et cetera. Um, like so, there. I mean, and there are thousands of those dealers all over the country, and that could be a niche for somebody.
0: But just something that's a bit different. that people go, "Wow, what? What's that? That's unusual."
1: You're preaching to the choir. I think. I think. It, I love that deep, resonant, edgy accented voice. I think that is really cool. I mean, there's a guy, I'm pretty sure he's got some reputable management like in New York, but you ever heard of Chris Kent? Oh yeah, I know Christopher Kent. Yeah. CKUK. Yeah. Yeah. That that guy is inhuman. I mean, he's just really talented and we, we worked with him a handful of times back in the day, but I think he's doing some trailery type stuff here in the States, but he's, so I think there is a place for it. And especially when you got the the Howard Parkers of the world and um you know that they tend to capture a lot of that type stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Chris Kent's an interesting one.
0: And uh I was gonna use him when you talk about marketing because it was Maurice Tobias that came up with the idea of CK UK. Interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Chris and I worked together. I mean, he he was, I guess, part of the propulsion stable of guys for a few years back in the eh, Early 2000s, maybe up until 2003 or four, and uh, just got to the point where we couldn't afford him anymore. He's too damn good. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because Chris
0: and I, um, we, we both, about the same time, I guess, we both set up Source Connect. So we'd do tests with each other.
1: Um, and we used to work with another couple of uh, fellas. Uh, Peter Twist was one I can remember from way back when who he's got a huge voice. And there's another fella, Chris Grant, his name is, who is he's I mean, just monstrous, this guy's voice. I mean, just deep and ballsy, and he's got that accent. And we would always use him on Halloween type stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of that lurch, Adams family lurch guy with that uh just you, you couldn't even indescribable. The way I sound after I
0: drink three liters of beer the next and morning. And you drop the glass <laughs> boot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, getting getting back to uh, the talent and what you um, expect from talent, You know what are the expectations as far as uh, the quality of sound that you're going to get from uh, someone's home studio, for instance?
1: So, I mean, we're not uh, measuring to the level of, you know, examining noise floors and all that stuff. I mean, we're letting our ears make the decision if, you know, if there's hums or hisses or distortion or things like that, that obviously would disqualify someone. Um, and I have a couple of different producers who will review demos and we'll do dry voice auditions to make sure that, because who knows if they get their demo recorded at their home studio. So I always like to get a, a a mic chain test out of their own shop. But the things, honestly, the the decision-making qualities beyond the audio, we, we tend to look for... Um, Ease of use is their ego check at the door. Do they return a phone call quickly? Or do they respond to email fast? Are they available? I mean, we we have no because we're doing this high volume of commercials that we talked about earlier in the in the podcast. We don't have time for prima donnas. None. Um, you know, we just we want folks that are you know, roll their sleeves up, kind of have a blue collar attitude. Like, hey, let's get it done. You know, they know that that check's going to show up in 30 days or less. We're really good about that. We don't spend a lot of time, you know, over directing. We just want to get things done. We the people we bring on board, we trust know what they're doing. Sometimes we got to hold their hand a little bit if we have a fussy client. But uh, you know, my team is like, "Hey, get it done. We we're paying you because you know what you're doing. You don't need us to tell you. Just get it done. Here's some direction. Go." I was gonna read.
2: I was reading that as do you guys don't do a lot of direction uh, or do you direct them how does that how do you do Do, you, do you, is it mostly self-directed for the talent?
1: mostly mostly I would say maybe uh, 15 to 20% are directed and we just do them over a plain old pots line you know we're not doing anything yep. we got we had three zephyrs going at one point back in the day sure. and we got rid of all of them and um, yep. You know, we're fine with, you know, getting the uncompressed audio a few minutes later after the session. We're totally cool with right. that. We have some bigger clients that, you know, want to get their hands dirty a little bit. So we'll, you know, we'll set up a little conference call and, and you know, they certainly have liberties to direct that will. But they're they're paying for that privilege because they're big fish. Right.
0: It sounds very similar to the model um, the, when we talked to Adrenaline in uh, Vegas. Do you know those guys? Do you know Matt at Adrenaline?
1: I don't know Matt, but I've heard of adrenaline before.
0: Yeah, it's, it sounds kind of similar the way you the structure of your business.
1: Well, just yeah. just the Matt, I call it organized chaos. That's that's our everyday. <laughs>
0: yeah. Now with connectivity, you said you got rid of the ISDN boxes. So what are you actually using to connect with talent?
1: Uh, like I said, it's just a plain old phone line. Oh, okay. If We're directing them. Yeah,
2: um, you know we call it a pots line here. Pots in the US. line, yeah. Plain old
1: telephone uh-huh. system. Yep. Yeah, we don't. We we got rid of. We had, like I said, we had three sets of ISDN lines uh, going at one point, and we disconnected all of them. the The zephyrs are now fancy doorstops. You know, not much of a need for those anymore. Would you believe I just bought one on eBay? Fifty bucks. an, ex- an extreme fifty bucks. Out shipped of to 10. my door. I'm kidding. In Philadelphia, it's worth 50 bucks. Yeah, I heard you can get a boot full of beer for that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's how much the... I think it was damn close <laughs> to that. No, I mean, for the price of a beer, you can buy a Telesuffer Extreme. You would have never no, thought uh, of that. Those are 4000
1: plus. yeah, oh, yeah. US $5,000 boxes. I mean, you would spend 50 bucks on a few minutes of an ISDN call. <laughs> right,
2: right. Oh, my God. I know, it's insane. That's- and the only reason I have it is because... um. I have clients that have other other stuff like a Roadrunner or Road Warrior, or these other brands, Musicam and stuff. And but they have no freaking clue how to use them, and I'm not that much better than they are at using these weird sort of non-standardized units. And I'm like, man, just swap it out with this thing that I can explain to you how to use. You know, because there's so much, there's so readily available now. Um, it's crazy. Um, and there's actually new technology now that lets you plug one of these things basically into the internet. Yeah, and so you're actually using ISDN, but it's over the internet. And that's not even a bridge; it's actually something called virtual ISDN or Visdn. You know, so it allows talent to literally have spids and give them out, but never not even have an ISDN line. Um yeah, where can you even get? Where Rob, can you even get an ISDN line now? Well, it's oh, this is chaos. It, talk about chaos. Um, I have clients all over LA who are just losing their lines. They're just losing their service, but they don't lose it in a way where the phone company, because I guess maybe they're not allowed, maybe legally the FCC says they can't do or whatever it is, but they can't just like make the line go away. But what they can do is make it unbelievably a pain in the neck to have it. So they'll do things like, Oh, we didn't realize you had active lines. Sorry about that. When we, you know, the, the lines just will be disconnected, oh, boy. you know, for no reason, um, or like, um, oh, your bill—you're no longer on a contract. And in fact, as of July in the, in the states, there are no contracts for ISDN. So next month, your bill will be twice what it was the month before. <laughs> that's that's happening now too. AT and you know know—you're on notice. They're—they're they're doing this like crazy with with voice actors. Um, and it's a nightmare. So, but it's funny. There are still clients of mine who still have it, still use it, and, sit, and pay 50 bucks a month for it. And I have others who pay 500 to more or more a month.
0: It's, 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 un- it's unbelievable. Well, Scott was saying, Scott said he paid his bill, didn't use the box in his beach house, and it was 800 bucks for the month. Right. He didn't even notice. It was
2: just, they just ramped yeah. the price up. And they do it until you, they reach a threshold of pain for the user. And so they know you're, you're going to hit the threshold of pain eventually, and then they're just going to go, Monk, uncle, yeah. uncle, I don't need it that bad. Bye. And that's what they're doing. Um, and that's their, that's their business model of ending the use of ISDN. Yeah. Here it's different. That's literally it's different here.
0: They've actually given us notice that um, I think mine was going to be shut down September of next year.
2: There's rumors that 2020 is the year that it will go away. That is the, that's sort of the the understood date, or the year. We don't know the date, but the yeah. year. So, um, anywho.
1: Yeah, so for what you guys do, Corey, it's it's just not necessary to have all that tech. Nah, I mean, just I mean with, with, the, yeah, and and with the internet, report. the way the internet is now, with everything so high speed, and, I mean, it, not to talk about the glory days again, but it just reminded me of a funny story when we're talking about ISDN and everything. I can remember in the the infant days of transmitting audio on the internet, we used to, Paul Turner used to voice a television show for the the CW called The Lost World. And they were one of the first to start requesting audio sent as an AIF file over the internet. And I can remember sending a 30-second promo. So we're talking 30 seconds of mono, took 45 minutes. Oh, boy. I can remember laying on the floor, on my back, watching that little progress wheel, just <laughs> inch, inch, just waiting. And I I was saying to Paul, man, I could have had this out, you know, we could have had it out on DGS or we could have, you know, put it in the, on a, on a DAT or whatever and, and dumped it in the box. And he's like, this is the future. I was like, okay, here we go. I remember I took, when
2: I was in college, freshman year, the MP3 encoding came out. And to make one MP3 of a WAV file, it would take your computer like it wasn't like seconds; it was like minutes or hours. <laughs> and just to make a single MP3, and, and that's just where we're going. I
0: mean, that's just the way yeah, things. Yeah, imp- I can still remember the days where you rendered video, and basically, but you know, you're going home. It's six o'clock. You press the button and hoped it was going to be finished by the time you got in in the morning.
1: Right. Right. We, we've had to deal with that problem as recently a couple of years ago, even with fast computers.
2: Yeah. That's why the new Mac Pro is coming out. <laughs> first 5,000 US minimum. Yeah, for one I of I remember yep. with,
0: that, with our internet in Australia, which is appalling, to say the least, um, it's better than it was, but I, when I first set up down here, I would sit here, send a file of maybe 100 meg or something, not huge, press the button, and it would just be one hour, 40 minutes Okay, great okay so Oy. you know so you go off and have lunch come back and do whatever you wanted to do while that thing's sending uh but then the nbn came in which is fiber optic and i remember the first thing i sent was like a 200 meg file and i hit the send button looked away and looked back and it was like oh i must have actually put the empty file in because gone but it was it, done, it, was done. It, it went like in about two seconds as opposed to an hour and 40 minutes oh man yeah, a good fiber network is as fast
2: as your own local, you know, your own LAN, your own in-house yeah. network, and that's what the new five
0: G network will be eventually too for mobile. It's a beautiful thing. What's going to happen with the five G? Because we were talking about that with Robert. There's yeah. something weird about it, and I can't remember <sighs> what he said. Now it's,
2: it's a controversial technology because it uses so much power and it won't go through barriers. It's almost line of sight. There's a lot of a lot of real real world issues that are going to make it impractical for any real, you know, you're not going to sit in your car and stream, uh, an eight K video over five G anytime soon. Not that you'd need to. Um, but, um, yeah, it's coming, it's coming, but it's, it's, we got a long way to go before it's useful. I mean, heck the four G on my phone in most cases gets 50 to 80 megabits a second. I mean, you know, it's, it's changed a lot. Um, Corey, are you, are you guys uh, doing what you guys do? I, I You know, I'm, I love I love gear. Are you guys the market for the new Mac Pro?
1: Uh, I would assure you that uh, there's a producer or two that would love to see that out of the tree come <laughs> December. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd be lying to you otherwise. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're always coming to me about this upgrade or this new machine. But, yeah, when you have, you know, 15 machines to maintain and you know sometimes it comes down to silly things like budgets yeah budgets right.
0: yeah
2: but if you landed like if you landed the right client and the demand was for a certain product and all of a sudden you're like okay now we have a reason to buy this widget
1: uh that happens all the time but we have we have sure. to hit, we have to hit that you landmark
2: rate. first exactly and i always tell my clients like you buy you buy the gear when you've got the jobs to support it. Like they, they go out, they they overinvest in gear and then they're <laughs> they're just barely auditioning, you know, and it's just like, no, 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 no. Start earning that gear by winning some great jobs. Then go buy the Neumann U eighty yeah. seven or whatever that bling Mikey one is. Then do that. That people overinvest or cart before the horse all the time. And we have we have a um,
1: hand me down system at our shop. It's the the senior guys get the newest machine, and then the other ones get passed down the line to, sure. to the junior folks. And it's like a family, yeah, yeah, totally. totally a large family. <laughs> hand me down, totally, pass the hand-me-downs. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, but that's just just good business. I mean, it's business. you know, you got to be smart with Absolutely. that. And if you can, you know, thank goodness we have a really good uh, IT service. Um, you know, not it's not George the tech with him. But, uh, you know, we have a good IT service that just, in general, computer maintenance, you know, that... Uh, yeah, IT is a different yeah, thing, that's for sure. Uh, that keeps our, you know, our software in check. And if there's, you know, help desk things or hardware issues, they'll yep. come rush out and give us a loaner, etc. I mean, yep. uh, but yeah, so our guys understand that they got to wait in line. So tell me,
0: with, uh, with your business at the moment, what do you see uh, changing? What do, what do you see as the future
1: so are we talking uh, production or are we talking marketing?
0: I reckon we'll do them separately. First of all, production. Okay.
1: I mean, production, you know, there's there's more and more, we're getting more and more requests for the, I would call the non-traditional production lengths, meaning very short length things that uh, to accommodate, um, you know, like six-second Facebook ads and, Oh, like the pre roll pre rolls. Yeah, we're doing tons of five seconds and, 14, and 15s and sixes. It's constant. I mean, we're getting way more of those. And then on the opposite end, you know, we're getting things that go beyond the bounds of 60 seconds. We're getting 90 seconds, 120s, two minutes, three minutes, five minutes because more people, you don't necessarily have to pay for an infomercial or that time on broadcast anymore. So the, it's become a little more democratic that the smaller players can get larger productions because they could put them on their social media pages or their websites. Okay, so
0: now in a very crowded marketplace, how do you uh, handle marketing and how do you see that moving?
1: Whether you're a voice talent or for what I do for the production company, they're kind of one and the same because this was a realization that I had to make about a year and a half to two years ago because I... You know, I marketed Propulsion Media Labs in every shape, way, function you could imagine from going to ad club meetings, to paying for advertising, to search engine optimization, to, to thousands upon thousands of cold calls, emails, RFPs, proposals, sending packages in the mail, you know, trinkets, whatever. We've done every, we have marketed that production company in every way you can think of. I've had sales staffs of five or six and one and two and by myself. We've done it every which way backwards and forwards. And I had to figure out that because of the way social media has changed the marketing landscape that folks cared less. Like I remember what we talked about earlier that no one really cares like how you sound. I had to come to that realization about not, no one really cares that we work for this client or we have this sexy gear or whatever it is, they want to buy from people they know and trust. So it, it, I really had to invest in personal branding, was getting people to understand who I am, what I'm about, what makes me different. And you, you, for lack of a better description, it, it's in a way sort of celebritizing yourself. And you know, I've created, it's not a persona because it's me. I mean, I don't know how to do anything different. But I'll go into meetings now, or I'll, I'll, I'm going to be seeing a bunch of people tomorrow. I bet it happens tomorrow that they'll say, Hey, you're the go get it guy because they know me from the go get it podcast, or I have the go get it t shirt, or I every social media post I'm encouraging and urging my followers to go get it, go chase their dreams, go capture their goals. And that's what has really driven not only my success for for uh, my marketing consulting and those clients, but it has, I've seen that same residual positive effect on the production company. It's because uh, we had a little dip there, um, you know, a couple of years ago and we've since rebounded and it's been gangbusters.
0: It's really interesting how marketing in America is so much different to uh, probably the Brits and Australia. Where you can actually build a celebrity profile, and no one seems to have an issue with that. But if you do that here, they'll just come and slap you down pretty quickly. Really? Yeah.
1: When you say slap you down, what does that mean?
0: They'll just think you're you're getting a bit ahead of yourself. You know, you you think you're a bit special, do you, mate? Well, you're not. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, it's a different ball game here. You know, you you tell people how good you are, and they'll tell you how much of a wanker you are.
1: Well, see, there's there is a distinction there that, like, I would say, if someone is just pounding their chest and saying, "Look at me, look at me, look at me, I'm great," they deserve to be called a wanker. Yeah. Um, but there's a way to, you know, and at least I, I can't say it's universal, but what we try, what I try to profess, and what is a good etiquette is to provide value. Yeah. In your communication, and I try to teach folks to take their time with their social media marketing. And time doesn't mean do it slowly. That means T-I-M-E stands for teach, inform, motivate, or entertain. If you're going to do a post, it should fit one of those four letters and those those types of posts tend to resonate and they get a little less criticism than the ones that just say, look at me, I'm great.
0: Yeah, it's true. In fact, there's a guy that I watch his podcast all the time. It's a video podcast, a guy called Warren Hewitt. And he has a podcast called Produce Like a Pro. And he pumps out about five videos a week and they're really good. And what he does is what you were talking about. It's like informing and teaching like he is talking about production of music, and he will get experts to run through how you, how do you engineer this, how do you master that, how do you produce that, how do you use this instrument, that kind of stuff. So that's why he's working. It's not about him saying, "Look at me, I'm great." But the fact is, his profile now is massive.
1: That and that's that's uh, uh, an amazing tactic that he's using to shine the light on someone else to provide information of value or to, to educate his following. And that's how he gets that ripple effect because he's providing good information and, and incorporating other expert people. That's it, it's helping him grow. Yeah. Worked for, it for yeah. me. Well, it has worked for you, George. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, look at yeah. all the episodes you did with Dan and then now you're doing, you know, this one here, the, I mean, and who, who was one of the first people I called when I did my podcast?
2: you it was it was (laughs) which I felt really honored it was really neat to make the re rekindle that connection again you know but yeah when you put out good useful content to a lot you know over time with a lot of consistency that is some of the best marketing that I can afford to do you know traditional marketing for me isn't going to work I got myself listed in this guide in LA I won't name it but it's the one that's in all the agents it's on all the studios and, you know, and I've paid a grand for this ad, you know, and I'm like, oh, finally I'm in this book, you know, I've never been in, I'm finally in this hard copy, been around forever, the ultimate guide for voiceover who wants to, you know, get a studio or a talent or whatever. Have I got a single call from that ad that's been in circulation for four months? No, not a single one, nothing. I mean, will I get one in two years? Yeah, maybe. Will it pay for itself? Eh, probably not. I don't know. But um, all of the other stuff, all that grassroots word of mouth, putting yourself out there, helping people um, and talking and being in the conversation is what's worked for me. That, so. the,
1: the social is the new word of mouth. It's just done a little different and it's done fast. Yeah. You, you The, the whisper fast. down the lane is just turbocharged now
2: yeah exactly it's on turbo it just spreads more, way more rapidly the good and the bad too, sure so. <laughs> yeah. keep your nose clean kids
0: <laughs> do you find you George do you find you get much work out of your podcasts the uh, VOBS and this yeah yeah
2: yeah I mean I, I when people book my services I literally have a thing in my form, my booking form how'd you hear about me Um, which to me is very you know very important and uh, so people almost always will type something in there you know might be from VOBS might be from Proteo suite might be a referral from a demo producer or an agent or another voice actor or sometimes it says are you kidding me everywhere <laughs> yeah, that's right <laughs> <laughs> you everywhere what do you mean you don't know who I the, am. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's i know it sounds terrible for me to say it out loud like, I oh said it God, it's okay but it but it says it you know they'll say them and they're like you know and, and what it is they've just been waiting for the opportunity to make that, you know, to make that, take that step or make the investment to work with me. So, um, I'm, yeah, I'm very lack- lucky. I came along like you do, Corey. You came in on the ground floor with a great business and knew something was good and 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 went with it. And that's, and that's what I did with this too. And uh, it was the right time. And um, yeah, met some really great people very, very early on like Howard Parker and Lane oh, Massey yeah. and yourself and Paul.
1: And so. who, would, who would think we'd come full circle And we'd be uh, doing these little podcasts together with uh, a a new mate (laughs) in Australia, which is really cool. Yeah. Right?
0: (laughs) So now if anyone wants to get in contact with you, Corey, where can they get you for either marketing or getting spots produced?
1: So uh, the easiest way, I mean, obviously check me out on LinkedIn, Corey Disson on LinkedIn. But for my personal sites, CoreyDisson.com or... uh, this new one I'm navigating people to is called Corey's fight Club.com. And uh, fight club has a meaning. It's another sort of uh, acronym, C-L-U-B, which is career coaching, life management, understanding attrition, and being positive. And uh, that's kind of what I try to preach. That's my message. And uh, people can go to Corey's fight Club.com. Cool. Okay. And if they want to get a hold of you for producing any spots... Go to uh, ProMediaLabs.com. It's the easiest way to find us. Uh, Propulsion Media Labs is the company. Ask for me. They'll put you right through. I'm I'm nobody special. I'm just the the lowly GM. I'll take care of you.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Well, look, I've got to say thank you for joining us today. It's been uh, wonderful. In fact, an eye-opener. And we'll see how it plays out into the future because I'll definitely be getting in contact with you.
1: Well, please do. And, and both you guys have been so generous with your time. I mean, mostly if... When I get asked to do a podcast, it's like, hey, we're just going to have you on for 15 minutes or so. I mean, you guys literally have spent over an hour with me. I feel very lucky um, to to have you guys in my sphere and uh, just, just fortunate that we got a chance to hang out and chat.
0: Thank you. And it's been an absolute pleasure, and we agree wholeheartedly. And it's good to see a couple of old mates getting back together again. That was the Pro Audio Suite. If you have any questions or ideas for a show, let us know via our Facebook, The Pro Audio Suite Podcast.